Welcome to another episode of At Home with Leaders, this new mini-series part of the Leaders Performance Podcast. I'm Matthew Stone, Senior Product Manager here at the Leaders Performance Institute. Uh, Thanks for rejoining us to all the regular listeners. And of course, welcome to those listening for the first time. We're hoping these conversations will attempt to shed some light on what the smart people within high performance are doing now or will plan to do in the future when sport returns to our lives. Alongside me once again is founder and CEO of Gaines Group and my California colleague, Mr. Steve Gira. How are you in sunny Los Angeles this morning, Steve? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Things are good out here in California. Um, feels like we are uh, probably, feels like we're close to halftime in this uh, in this pandemic, um, although um, it's going to be a really, really long turnaround and, and it's obviously going to be a phased approach as to how we get back. But it feels like people are starting to shift at least a little bit towards you know, when we do start playing again in the intermediate, what does that potentially look like? And and that's what I'm excited to talk to Kyle about today and excited to talk about how him and his organization are are handling this uh, unprecedented time. Absolutely. No, good to hear and agree with all that. So as you said that, our guest today is someone we're fortunate enough to interact with on a regular basis here at Leaders, and it's our second virtual trip to Toronto, the series. As today's guest is Kyle Dubas, the general manager of the NHL's Toronto Maple Leafs. Kyle, how are you this morning? I'm good, guys. How are you doing today? Yes, good. Thank you. Not too bad. What's your uh, What's your working from home setup like? Is it uh, office or is it a bit of a makeshift space? Uh, fortunately, it's it's an office that uh, did not get much use. It's been we we moved into this house almost two years ago now in Toronto, and we've had an office set up here the the entire time, and it's it hasn't gone used very often for the first you know year and and nine months that we lived here but it's it's getting uh, it's getting massive use each day now so i'm fortunate to already have that set up and been able to just roll with that which which has been good absolutely and how how's the family uh both at home and also the the maple leafs family organization as well <laughs> well the the home uh the home group is easier to to give a, a direct answer on it's it's been great it's i think one of the one of the benefits of of um the entire pandemic and and there are a few benefits outside of the the home front has been the ability to spend lots of time with with my wife and and with our uh, with our son uh who's who's very young and, and at a great stage in, in his own development so that that part has been outstanding and I think feel fortunate you will never get to spend this much time with them consecutively again especially as we keep uh, rolling along once once sports uh, do come back and and our business picks back up the Maple Leaf family, it's it's been a it's been interesting. Our season uh, paused rate with uh, rate as we we're heading into the stretch. We had twelve of our uh, eighty-two regular season games remaining, so about a month left in our season, and we were uh, we were battling for playoff positioning, and and we were right at at a pivotal time in our year, and then suddenly it's on it's on pause. So it's it's been. It's been uh, an experience for all of us to try to find different ways to connect and stay in touch with one another. And that part has been uh, a challenge, but I, I hope we're doing well to stay connected with our staff and trying different things to improve that connection. Kyle, what are you what are you spending most of your time on right now? Is it is it planning? Is it you know working with the staff and the players? And, uh, and how, are you, how are you spending your professional time right now? A lot of the professional time, Steve, is is spent on uh, on the phone and different conference calls with the with our own our own inter- internal parts of our organization, which includes the Toronto Raptors and uh, TFC Toronto Football Club, and we have a very large live department as well. So we spend lots of time internally talking about what's happening and the way that we're going to come back. Spend a lot of time in communication with our coaching staff and others in management, and in particular our player personnel department and, and our respective scouting departments. So it's it's been much 
different that way. I, I think the thing that's taken up the, the majority of the time has been the unpredictables each day. So yesterday there was just, I think there's staff that have anxiety about their, and rightfully so, about their position in the organization, their contracts, different things that have been left sort of frozen. And those things are personal to them and, and thus they rightfully take up the most amount of time each day. And we have to pay great attention to those in order to make sure that our people are getting the answers that they want. This this is not, this is not to say that um, we have all of the answers that we can give great predictions of the future, given that uh, that's been a futile exercise in, in, in during this entire course of events. But that's where a lot of the time is is spent. And uh, when it comes to the actual team, the majority of our time internally, when we talk just about the sporting side, has been spent on scouting and player personnel and working with our coaches to ensure that our team is best set to return whenever that may be into whatever setting that may be. It seems like there have definitely been some ramifications for scouting um, and then obviously for coaching. Lots of lots of consequences. What are some of the unintended consequences that you are you know, for, forecasting or potentially dealing with right now? Well, right now, one of the one of the consequences is that usually at this time of the year, it's the final major scouting showcase for our season. And uh, it's called the World Under-18 Championship. Essentially, the vast majority of the best draft eligible players would play in that event. And we've also lost out on, on the ability to scout players in their final league games and in their league playoffs, uh, which which is a time where you're getting, it's not, I don't think it's, people might say it's more important to see how they perform in those big games. And it, and it may be, but it is a large piece of the, of the scouting puzzle that's now gone. So you're trying to adjust your, the work that you're doing on the scouting side without having a large swath of games to cover of different players in addition are the nhl scouting the combine has been canceled and that's the place where you usually get a lot of medical information and a lot of physical information on players is and you're entering that into your decision making process and when you're making your final evaluations on the guys so you're losing out on on a lot and rightfully so i don't think there's any way to, to do it right now with the health of everybody in mind so you're losing out on on a lot of key information pieces and it's been trying to find ways as a staff to put those all together in, in a different format on the fly absolutely and what are the um other things that you think should exist you know, when you do get back and i know it's hard to plan and you know we've chatted about without an actual time frame it's very difficult to look at that scenario planning but have there been things that you've seen crop up in this period maybe it's communication you know and how uh, you know how maybe athletes and staff are taking it upon themselves to to be more innovative. Are there things that you think should exist, and you're going to encourage exist when you get back in into the thick of it, um, back in, in the organisation? One of the things that will that that has that has been really strong is I I think that every time you whether it's a video conference call or a face uh, FaceTime call with with a particular member of the staff, I think I think what we've grown to see is a is just a how much. When you when you have so much time apart and that time is not scheduled and it's not foreseen uh, directly, like the relationships within the organization have really have really grown uh, because you grow you, when you when you have this time where you're not together, I think you grow to appreciate more of the times that you are. And I think fortunately we'll all be able to get back together again at some point. I don't know how far in the future that's that's going to be. I'll leave that to the scientists and the great health experts that have that have done done their work in this field. 
But I think the things that we've seen is just a, is just a, especially as it's gone on and into week five and six of uh, being apart from one another, is uh, an increased connection between everybody and appreciation for one another. And uh, I hope that when we return, the valuation of our relationships and and the strength of our relationships will only continue to increase internally, and it allow us to come together even stronger than we were before the the break incurred. And Cal, to that point, you you guys were in third place, you know, and 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 I know it could potentially feel callous to potentially you know talk about these sort of things right now, um, but I think it's worth talking about. You know, you were were in sports, and when you come back, um, there's going to be an expectation that you guys win, um, because that's what sports is all about. And you, know, you guys were in third place, and the NHL hopefully it comes back this season um, and is played in some form or fashion, whether that's some games that lead into a tournament, you know, or the Stanley Cup playoffs. How are you going about planning out the approach to to winning games when you come back? Well, I think the the the, the take we've we've tried to use, Steve, during this time is that even even though we were, you know, as you say, we we're in, in third place you know we were still significant we, we still have significant ground to make up on the two teams ahead of us and for us that's Tampa Bay Lightning and Boston Bruins and so one of the things that we've tried to do during the break is really examine why we are behind those teams and what do we need to do to catch up now our, our team is at a very different part in its evolution and lifespan uh, those teams have been perennial contenders for for the better part of a decade in Boston's case longer than that and in Tampa right behind them so they have they have much more experience operating at at that level than we do and what we've tried to use the break to do is really examine what they do better than us and our players and our core of our our team is much younger as well and so we've tried to use the break to really examine the, the gains that we can make and knowing that we're going to be coming back either with a short stretch run left of we, we had 12 games left in our regular season before this um, before the season pause occurred due to the pandemic but with the way that we look at it is we need to be able to come back and be operating at our best whenever that may be. And so we've looked at everything from our tactics to a, a very thorough exercise with our individual players on their, on their technical development and the gains we want to make with them and how we can work on those during the break. And then also I think the key thing that we worry about and we don't know because we've never dealt with it is, is the effects of the players not being able to train at the level that they're used to in season to returning and, and being not having an exhibition season an early regular season to ramp up to get ready for the playoffs it'll be right back into the stretch drive perhaps and then and then into the playoffs or right into the playoffs so it's been trying to plan out as best we can and and try to foresee everything that that could pop up whether it's performance or health or uh, mindset and try to keep our group as locked in as possible I think if we just switch now a bit to your your philosophy, and I know you're you're someone and a leader with with very strong beliefs on on the core values across an organisation, which I think is you know, led you to being great stead going forward with this kind of project that you're that you're part of to to bring success to the to Toronto. I mean, how did you implement that when you took over as GM, and and you know what, what were the things that you thought about in your first few months, maybe your kind of first ninety days when you when you took the job. I uh, was uh, pretty fortunate in, in that regard, Matt, that I'd, I'd been with the organization for uh, for four seasons as, as an assistant general manager before 
before moving into the role of, of general manager in 2018. So I think a lot of the people in the organization knew what, what I was about in my former role. I was responsible for our, our player development department and our, uh, our minor league system and our research and development department. So a lot of the players had passed through the development department, obviously. And I think that those the, the players knew what we were what we were going to be about and because of the role in the past there was there was enough interaction and and exposure to everybody in the organization on a on a daily or or weekly basis to to know the things that were that were going to be important in, in terms of the values that were, were going to be held in high regard by the the organization, how we were going to implement them, uh, the type of environment that we wanted on a daily basis, how we wanted everybody to feel when they walked into the building each day and how they felt when they walked out. I still think that um, though it's been two years now or nearly two years in the role, I still think uh, having this time in the last six weeks to really reflect on it, it's really allowed me to reflect on the fact that we have a, a long way to go still to get to where I think we can in terms of our environment each day and how that impacts our performance, how it impacts the mindset of our people and, and how it impacts the way everyone behaves when they're inside our facility. So this um, this break has given a, a rare time to pause and reflect on the time so far. And you know, just in terms of what we thought we wanted to be about, where we've done well, where we haven't, where we haven't met our expectations, and then uh, dictate a way that we want to come out of it uh, better when we get back started up. Presumably, the the culture's evolved a fair bit since you've taken over as well. What have been the kind of key successes to that? Do you think? Uh, well, we we've I think one of the one of the key things that that we deem as important is just the the way that we try to phrase everything is uh, simply put we want to be an organization that's about the development of the, the, the maximization of every single person in our organization. So of course, every player, we want those players operating at their best. I think that's imperative for, for performance and competition. And we also want every staff member that comes in to feel like we are pushing them to be at their best. And if you're not at the top of your profession, that we are pushing you to to get there and we're giving you the avenues to uh, develop professionally and make gains professionally, whether, you know, through a combination of feedback and giving you the opportunities to attend different courses or events that can help you in the areas that you're weak at. Uh, we continue to put you into different roles where you have to push yourself to uh, where you have to push yourself to get uncomfortable and learn new things that are going to help you along the way. And, and that's really what we've wanted to be about. I think one of the parts that, and it's, uh, I think the responsibility in this goes solely to me has been trying to combine wanting to be an organization that's about getting the best out of every single person and then being able to, to parlay that into the organization having its greatest amount of success as a whole. And so the transfer between from the individual development to the development of the team and the organization at large. And I think that's one of the things that I feel we need to continue to do better at overall. And I think get everybody within the organization to see how their individual development and how their individual output impacts the team and make it make it about that, to have their core motivation be about I have to be at my best in order to help the team be at its best. And if I don't do my part, that I'm letting down the team rather than look at it from a perspective of, okay, I just need to be at my best and you know it's up to somebody else to take care of everything. So Kyle, when you're, when you're talking there, you know, you're talking about values and the values of the organization um, in unlocking, you know, people's potential in order to unlock the value uh, in the potential of the organization as well. And so it's clear you're, you're recruiting people 
not only for style of play and talent on ice, right? And then also talent off, off ice too, because you're recruiting your staff and people who make the organization great in other ways, um, aside from playing. But then you're also recruiting those people based upon like your values and the and, and how they match those values as human beings. You know, that's a, that's a pretty hard remit to find the right, not only the right person to be on the bus, but then also the right person to drive the bus. Right. And so but that's presumably how, how you're going to ensure the right fit for the Maple Leafs. So how do you how do you go about making sure that you're not necessarily, you know, getting just a super talented person who isn't a good value fit and then also just getting really great value fits who aren't necessarily the right talent level for for the club i i think steve that i'd love to i think everybody in sports and and business alike would love to be able to have the answer and i think is some of our past conversations at leaders and and uh various events it's where we spend a lot of our time focusing and talking is is what do you value more do you value the the talent uh, or do you value the the character of the person? And you know, I, I think in, in a perfect world, you want people who are absolutely elite at all levels of both. Uh, in their individual talent base, they have they check off every box. And they're elite in their character base. They're elite. Getting an organization of twenty five players at the top level, and then another fifty in development, and then a staff of a hundred plus to all get there is uh, is difficult. I think it is something that we aspire to. I, I don't know whether it's possible. And I think the thing that we uh, experience in, in talking with other organizations all the time is that even the very best organizations that have, have won championships and some cases won multiple championships are also searching for this exact answer. And I, I think if you don't have talent, you're not going to win. And if you don't have character, you're not going to win. So I, I don't think it's a binary one or the other. Uh, I think that it very clearly, and, and the two of you have, have great experience across and dealing with, with folks in all different sports. It's trying to find the, the people who check off the boxes in both. And if they don't have one or the other, that they have the mindset and the learning capacity that's going to allow them to accrue the, the skills that they're maybe missing or the traits that they're missing in either box. And then also as, as we gain more experience and, and we pay great attention to this, it's learning what things we as an organization can help teach people on both sides. So what do we teach well on the technical side or on the employee development side with their actual skills versus what do we do well on the, on the character and culture and, and makeup side to help people develop? Where can we, where are, where do we as the Toronto Maple Leafs make the best gains and where can we best help people's weaknesses? And the longer we go, the greater the sample size we have, we should be able to take the, the way that we're operating in both realms and be able to forecast better how we can help people in both regards. So let, let's talk about the values a little bit more. You know, what, what are they specifically? You know, what are the characteristics that you're looking for um, on the human side for the players and the people inside of your organization? I think that the first thing, uh, Steve, that, that's that's very important to me is is we want people that have great spirit. I think spirit is the word that we use more than, than any other. So when they come in every day, when they walk in the door, because of who they are and the spirit that they have, and everything that goes into that, whether it's joy, enthusiasm, uh, happiness that they have, when they walk in the door, you feel that their spirit, they're thrilled to be there. They're happy to be there. They love what they do and they're going to work their butt off 
that day that they're there, either as a staff member, as a, as a member of the staff, as a coach, as a player, every single person that walks through the door uh, impacts the environment of the team. So if you have someone whose spirit is, is wavering a little bit, it's going to impact everybody else. Because the minute that you, you could be having the best day of your life, the minute that you interact with somebody who's dragging their butt a little bit and doesn't feel happy about being there that day, it distracts you. It's, you know, then you have to go and talk to Matt and say, geez, what's wrong with what's wrong with, with Kyle today? Like he, he looks like he's dragging his butt. So that, that to me is our number one thing. I think obviously your commitment to your own development is important. I think so valuing your own development is vital for us. Being able to understand how your work ethic and how your attitude each day directly limits or accelerates your ability to improve is vital each day. Our values in terms of a team and how we play is we want the guys to be passionate. We want them to have a lot of fun playing, but we want them to be unrelenting as well. So we don't just want to be a team that focuses just on our skill and playing freely and having fun. But when we don't have the puck and we're on the defensive side, that we're a relentless group of players. And I think we have to make major gains towards that. But I've spent a lot of time in this break trying to really get it down to a few terms in terms of our values that, that, uh, that we focus on. And I think those would be them in terms of our culture when you walk in and our environment when you walk in every day off the ice and on the ice. So, and that, that's, that's great. And so one of the things, you know, when you think about like those values, having spirit and enthusiasm for every single day, and then the commitment to your own personal development, you know, the, there are, there are people who are intrinsically driven to, to have and express both of those values, but that's also something that's environmental as well that you can create. And so when you think about like the, your development program, how important is it that you're not only identifying people who have the raw materials that um, of spirit and commitment to their own development, but then that you're creating the environment to where on a daily basis you can support the expression of those values out of those individuals? And how do you go about developing that environment? Well, the, the environment on the development side is vital. And the creation of, of the development uh, environment, I think, comes down to having the right development staff. Uh, on both the the technical skill part, the tactical aptitude part, and the strength and conditioning side, and then supplementing that with what I think are the cores to to our development model, which are our mental well-being and our character and makeup. I think without the the two bookends to it, Steve, the part that really goes into performance, so your technical skills, your tactical aptitude, and your and your strength and conditioning are gonna are gonna fade and, and they're gonna waver. So if we have to get them as best we can, every single person in our organization, right on those character sides and on the and on on their men, and with their mental health. If if, uh, if they don't have the foundation in those areas, they're not going to be able to be at their best for when it comes to the their execution of the performance development pieces. So we've the way that we've tried to put that in place is just by be very open and transparent about what our development model is and the and the five different areas of it and then have the right staff to be able to execute it and then follow a set plan throughout the year with our development model at all times. So rather than say, hey, we really value development, we want to make you better, it's saying here here are the areas that we're going to develop you, here's how we're going to do it, here's who's going to do it, and here is the actual plan throughout the year. And we also give the players the ability to give their input on the things that they think they need to work on. Players, when they're
are younger and first entering into our organization are a little less apt to be open and give their true opinion. They're largely looking to the organization as a National Hockey League organization to tell them what they need to improve upon, and they're very open to work. The issues that we've seen uh, in development that we've tried to correct are that if you have players in particular within your development model that don't value development or that don't have, it goes back to the, the, the part about having the right people driving the bus. And in the end, if, if you don't have the right players in terms of their commitment to improving, in terms of their commitment every day when they come in, it's going to derail, the, it's going to start to derail the entire development train. And so that th- those have been the keys that we, that we focused on on the development side and that we really key on on the development side. I think you guys in, in hockey maybe and other sports in the US maybe have, have it a bit tougher than the likes of soccer because, you know, you get the players between the age of you know, 18 and 23. So there's there's a tougher and maybe more emphasis on the development side there. I think I think just switching slightly, I think to me, the Maple Leafs always seem like a forward thinking hockey organisation. And I think you've said it before that as a, as a sport, it can be quite conservative compared to maybe the other sports. How, how is that changing, do you think? And, and how are you trying to change that within your organisation? I think, Matt, first, the, the league, uh, the NHL, has, has put into place some, some excellent programs to continue to grow um, to grow the game of, of hockey and, and um, to improve the, uh, the diversity of, of staffs and, and uh, of the fan base and, and really push the teams to be more pro- progressive. So the leadership that we get from, from the NHL has been excellent. There's a number of organizations in the NHL that, that are certainly leaders and been doing it uh, a lot longer than we have uh, just in terms of um, continuing to push the sport forward and, uh, and improve uh, everything about the sport. So we're fortunate that way uh, with regards to the Maple Leafs, what we've tried to do is, is just, you know, try to hire the best people uh, regardless of um, regardless of whether they're man or woman or, or sexual orientation or background. We've just merely tried to hire the, the best people we can for, for every role, celebrate the, the diversity of, of the group a little bit and how important it is. And, and that, that's actually come through well during this pause. We've got members of organizations that have such different ways of viewing everything that happens. And, and, um, and I think that really helps to educate everyone and, and give people a, a different way to look at uh, look at everything that, that's going on in the world from, from different viewpoints based on the experiences of the people within the organization. I think you've, you've told me before that, you know, you looked at other, other leaders. I know you're a big fan of Pep Guardiola and his work and, you know, how other leaders and other sports have maybe been an influence on you. And obviously you've just touched on how the, how the sport is, you know, coming on leaps and bounds in hockey as well as your organization. How, how much, you know, is an influence those those other leaders in, in other sports, whether that's Pep or, or something else, not just on a on from a value perspective, but also like a playing philosophy perspective as well. Yeah, I, I don't I've I've never met uh, Pep Guardiola, and so I I don't uh, I, I can't speak to the values in, in terms of the facility each day and and uh, you know what what they value in players and staff and so on. I think our the, the way that, that we view it is that soccer. And hockey do have a lot of similarities. It's it, just in terms of the way you have to progress up the up the playing surface in terms of offside and goaltender, the net. It's it, they they are, certainly aren't the same sport because hockey's played at a much faster speed and much shorter intervals with players coming on and off all the time. But in terms of tactics, there there are some things that that can be used to be a little bit similar. And I think myself and and our our coach Sheldon Keefe and the way that we've we've tried to build our team 
is is one around uh, when we once we get the puck, we want to keep it. We don't want to we value it. We don't want to throw it away. We don't want to throw it all the way up the ice and then go and chase it. We want to make plays to entice to one another and and uh, progress up, build out from our own end and, and get up the ice with control of the puck and, and then attack offensively. And there's lots of, of great soccer teams and, and soccer managers that have overcome the, the criticism of that. I mean, you'd have to go back to late the 2000s now or early, early on 2010, 2011 to see those teams in soccer that played that way sort of overcome the criticism that you can't win playing that way. And uh, you have to, you know, you have to play long balls and second balls and, and you can't win. The, and then in Pep's case, you can't, you won't, you won't win that way playing in Germany and then he won't win that way playing in, in England. So he's been someone that's been over able to overcome the criticism of, of his playing style that it would only work at Barcelona with these star players. And he's been able to adapt and go to Germany and then uh, go to the Premier League and, uh, and continue to win there. And I think it's, it's a great model for us because it shows somebody that had deep belief in their system and deep belief in, in the execution of it, that it could be successful and stuck with it and has done a lot of winning in spite of the criticism that, uh, that they would not. And it's, it's something that, that we face quite a bit and, and that we would, uh, we would like to have the same success with. Kyle, that's a, it's such a great point about the way that you think about, um, you know, the playing, style um, or the management style and the expectations that come with, you know, really big clubs. I've worked with Barcelona, with FC Barcelona for the last five years, and um, it's amazing the amount of pressure and expectation that everybody inside the club feels on a day on day out basis. Um, And Pep's obviously been, you know, remarkable in in taking um, his philosophy and never wavering, no matter what the fishbowl kind of looks like in all the places he's been now you have that same you have that same issue because you know maple leafs are the most storied you know ostensibly most storied uh, uh franchise in the nhl along with uh, the canadians and and uh and a few other clubs um and, and you've got a lot of pressure heaped up on you so how, how do you go about mentally dealing with those expectations and also preparing your players and staff to deal with them it's a conversation steve that um that we have a lot and then it comes up a lot during the season, you know, whether it's from the media themselves you know, discussing the impact of the noise around the team uh, on the team or the players. And it wasn't really an issue this year. It was more so the year prior where the players, I think would read a little bit too much of the media trade rumors, various different things that were, that were coming up and criticisms. And, and I, I felt myself spending a lot of time dealing with those with the players. I think the the best way to deal with it is to is to acknowledge and accept it. The fact that we play in a city where there's the most media, there's the the most fans, and there's one team and the expectations of the team on the team are extremely high. Um, the team has has the longest going Stanley Cup drought of of any team in our sport haven't won since 1967 and with each passing year angst and the energy level of the fans only continues to increase especially as we have this young talented team that people are hoping will end that uh, end that drought it can quickly manifest itself to losing sight of the fact that the majority of our best players are not even close yet to entering their prime and the expectation that they should just flip the switch and win and for us where we've 
the one thing I've been very happy with this year is that when we've had events that have rightfully created noise and we've played very poorly, when we've had different things that have happened as, as do happen during the course of a year, we continue to bounce back and show good resiliency. And the point that we've, we've even now openly spoken about to our players and our staff, Steve, has been the fact that if, if you look around at very few teams win on their first run through the playoffs, they usually have to go through two or three or four or five, and in some cases, 10 disappointments before they finally cross the finish line. And there are cases of teams that on their first run through, they, they win, whether it's the New England Patriots and uh, their first championship against St. Louis uh, or, or you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins in our sport. They, won this, they lost the, the cup final the year before they won the next year. But there, there aren't many teams that have that win the ultimate prize in their first or second or third chance at it when they're in the playoffs and they're competing. And it, it, it's been trying to educate our players in the fact that when the anxiety is up and the pressure is up, like that's something that you've earned. It's not something to always be looked at as a negative because people wouldn't feel that way. They wouldn't feel hopeful and they wouldn't feel like you could deliver if you didn't have the talent and you didn't show the potential. So rather than worrying about it or eating yourself up when maybe you don't have a great night and the fans get anxious and the fans get upset and they're, you know, they're sending you messages on Twitter or Instagram or whatever telling you that you suck and you're, you're never going to win, it's rather than look at that as, as a negative, they wouldn't do that if they didn't think that you had potential. If you're, if you're a bad team, the fans are, are not writing, they're not writing you that they just, they become apathetic. In our case, the fans are so passionate. And I think that's something that we should value and that we've earned because it means that they've seen what we're capable of. They've seen the potential that we have, and now they just want us to deliver on that. And it might not be as quickly as they want, and it might not be an everyday thing as we continue to evolve as an organization. But I think that that, that, that type of stuff from the media and the fans means that we're on the right path. And I think there's lots of examples in sports that that, that would back that up. Kyle, it's it's obvious you're you've been doing a lot of research on that, and uh, and and that's great because you know, and you're really well read. Um, guy to begin with so before we let you go what, what book podcast or you know show or docuseries would you would you recommend to someone who's sitting out there right now um, looking to feed their brain while we're in the middle of the shutdown the book that i've enjoyed most uh this season that i've read has been uh, loon shots by uh, safi bacall I just think it's it's a it's a great book in terms of insights into how ideas within organizations or within industries are seen as crazy, but if they're nurtured properly, they they end up having a massive impact. Uh, so, so that book has been great. I've also I'm just going back through again. Stillness is the key by Ryan Holiday. I always find that his books have a great application to what we do, and, and more than anything in addressing our group and, and dealing with the athletes, I find that they, there's always different anecdotes in each different chapter that apply to some of our players and coaches in particular that we can share and, and put into practice and in different stories. And the podcast that I've, I've been going through is it's called IdeaCast by Harvard Business Review. And there's a series on there about, about leaders and, and uh, leadership. And it they had episodes on Oprah and uh, Abraham Lincoln and Shackleton and, and various different people and different leadership styles and things that came about in them that were great. So that's that's what I've been going through of late. So there's some recency bias in my answer, but there you have it. Okay, well, so sticking on recency bias, um, how about some lighter fare? Um, what have what have you been getting into for? Uh... <laughs> 
pure brain candy. You been? Are you been in? You one of these Tiger <laughs> Tiger King guys? I, I have not watched Tiger King though. It's hey, been Harry videos. Uh, what are you What are you into when you need to distract yourself from uh, from the madness? My uh, my wife and I are going back through uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is always a great way to get your mind off of uh, everything. We always have The Office on in the background, it seems. And I'm, I've got a, a fiction book as well, Ohio by Stephen Markley that I'm getting through that I've, I've been, I haven't read a fiction book in a long, long time, but I find it helps me with reading other things as well so it's not overly it's not um not overly exciting but it's um it's uh it's what i do to to get away from the the actual sports stuff the the news is not a great distraction because i, I don't really find that it's much news you think you're i find you're way better off to wait a few days and read the actual science and and true experts on things rather than follow the hysteria that's that's the news and news conferences these days Yes, yes. Uh, Sam Walker talked about that last week. Uh, so we'll, uh, he uh, he had a really good. We we don't have uh, we don't we don't have Korea's news conferences. That that's for darn sure here. Um, <laughs> well, Kyle, thanks so much for joining us. Um, that was brilliant, um, insightful. Um, really appreciate it. Please stay safe and uh, best to you and your family. And good luck in the future. And hopefully, uh, we get to see some Stanley Cup uh, playoffs here. Um, in some form or fashion in the uh, in the relative near future. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. No problem. And, and Carl, I must say, The Office is a great shout. Both UK and US versions, I think we can agree. Good distraction. Thank you, Steve, as well. Always a pleasure to speak to you. Um, both of you stay safe across the pond. Uh, that's it for this episode, but you can find this episode, uh, as well as the others, on the Leaders Content Hub. Um, and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred platform. Carl and his staff are part of the membership network, and we've been lucky enough that he's spoken on stage at the events in the past too. So if you want to watch those sessions, plus access all the other great content and be part of the network, like the Maple Leafs, then head over to leadersinsport.com forward slash performance to learn more about the home of total high performance. Also, a shout out to John Porch and Luke Whitworth behind the scenes who are doing some sterling work in helping us pull this podcast together and provide some great questions. So thank you, gents. Until next time, stay safe and keep thinking. Speak soon.